If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of April 16, 2023. The podcast that translated the King James Bible back into Latin. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's fractionate the news of the bogus. And we start off with the big news, which is the leak of some 300 documents confirming that we haven't exactly been told the truth about the Russo-Ukrainian war and America's level of involvement in it. In addition, the leaks cover the recent protests in Israel over judicial reform to Iran's nuclear program. Despite what we've been told, that Ukraine is kicking Ruski ass and Russia has been losing for over a year now, which raises the question we've been asking, why haven't they lost yet? It turns out that Ukraine's losses are four times higher than Russia's. Furthermore, war will continue well past 2023, and there shall be no diplomatic efforts on the U.S.-NATO-Ukraine side confirming our earlier coverage. In addition, the U.S.'s surveillance of Zelensky shows that he's been planning to use drones to strike Russians in Russia, which could explain why the U.S. has been reluctant to provide him with long-range weapons. A direct conflict with Russia needs to be avoided. There are also major issues with defenses amid fears of a Russian spring offensive. The documents appear to be photos of hard copies of recent classified documents, some of which are marked top secret and even no foreign, which means don't share with foreigners. Of course, there's the usual hemming and hawing from officials who say they're doctored and the information in them could put people at risk by revealing too much to the Russians and that it's all Russian misinformation. Remember when we covered kettle logic? I never borrowed your kettle. And I returned it intact. And anyway, it was broken when you gave it to me. Documents also cover Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's efforts to overhaul the judiciary amid protests that, according to these leaks, are supported by Mossad. And in Egypt, which has received billions of dollars in military aid from the U.S., there appears to be a plan to secretly support Russia with armaments. Meanwhile, Serbia, which has officially stayed neutral in the conflict, has agreed to supply weapons to Kiev. The news media, who, as we've discussed, are really just glorified stenographers for the intelligence community, instead of praising transparency and standing up for the rights of the people, has mirrored the government's freakout. For example, the New York Times said the leaks were, quote, particularly damaging, officials say. Note the weasel words. They can always worm their way out of it by saying, Oh, we didn't say it. We were quoting our sources. Of course, the New York Times didn't actually talk about the really damaging stuff. They talked about what the intelligence community has already acknowledged. Authorities have arrested 21-year-old National Guard Airman Jack Teixeira, although we don't as yet know his motives for the leak but we can see how important they are, especially the possibility of Zelensky attacking Russians in Russia with U.S.-provided armaments. Of course, that's exactly what any other leader would do in his situation, attack the enemy that's attacking them. But the fact that it's the U.S. that's the main provider of arms could turn this into a hot war between the U.S. and Russia, and that could be catastrophic for everyone. 
It's also important to see how Biden has said there are strict lines in the sand about what kind of military aid will be sent to Ukraine and how he's repeatedly stepped over those lines. It's all about escalation and not about de-escalation. In fact, despite the fact that most of the world is calling for peace talks in the U.S., that's presented as a fringe and even treasonous position. And since we now know that personnel from the U.S. and other NATO countries are actually operating on the ground in Ukraine, including U.S. Special Forces, that causes problems for international law. As for how they found the leaker, reprehensibly it was the news media that found him and gave that information to the FBI. Here's what journalist Glenn Greenwald said on Tucker Carlson tonight, and he said it so well, I'm going to let him have the last word. I can't think of an incident, Tucker, that reveals more vividly the real function of our nation's largest media corporations than what just happened here. If you're a real journalist, somebody who's devoted to transparency, shining a light on the most powerful government actors when they lie to the American people and informing the public, you would be celebrating this person who stepped forward and risked his security to show his fellow citizens that the government was lying about this incredibly important war with a nuclear armed power that we have actual troops deployed on the ground in Ukraine. There's going to be no diplomatic resolution through at least 2023 that Zelensky is planning on using our weapons to strike deep into Russia, which we were told would never happen risking escalation. He did the job of what journalists claim to do, which is showed the public the truth. If you work for the intelligence agencies, you would be furious at this person. You would hate him because he revealed that you just lied. He exposed the truth about what you were doing. What's amazing is the New York Times, the Washington Post, all the people who were at that Pentagon briefing today think the way the CIA and the Pentagon think. They hate this person. It was the New York Times and the Washington Post that did the FBI's work and found the leaker and led the FBI to him. They're demanding that he be punished. They're demanding that the government clamp down and keep things more and more secret. What kind of journalist would ever do that, would want to see a leaker exposed and punished and then demand that the government keep even more secrets? But that is what these media corporations are there to do. They love leaks when the CIA and Homeland Security tell them to leak. That's when they disseminate propaganda to the public, like they did during the Trump years when they leaked the transcript between Michael Flynn and Ambassador Kislyak, the most serious kind of leaking crime. The Washington Post did that. Nobody looked for that leaker. Nobody cared. Everybody cheered because it served the interests of the security state. It's amazing that these journalists are on the side of the government and will actually hunt down the leaker and demand that he be punished even more. If you look at the history of the most important journalism stories, it's exactly insiders like Daniel Ellsberg sees that the government is lying to the American people about the war in Vietnam, saying we're winning when in reality, privately, they're saying we're losing. And he goes and he shows the American people the truth. Or Edward Snowden, who heard James Clapper falsely deny the NSA was spying on American people. He had the evidence in his hand and he risked his security to show the truth. Same things WikiLeaks did. This is what you celebrate in journalism. Our journalists, meaning the media corporations hate this because they actually work for their government. That is their true allegiance. If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. 
Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. Okay, now some good news. A New York judge has ruled that the state's red flag law is unconstitutional. It's actually called the Extreme Risk Protection Order. Extreme is meant to apply to risk, but it should apply to the order itself. And it allows law enforcement to seize a person's firearms, even if they're not even accused of a crime. If a police officer, DA, family member, school administrator, angry neighbor, online prankster, or basically anyone really, files a petition saying they pose a risk of harm to themselves or others, police, without even getting a warrant or showing probable cause, can come seize their firearms. It's not even about them being in any kind of planning stages, which would still be unconstitutional. It's that someone alleges that they're likely to commit harm at some unspecified point in the future. In other words, it's pre-crime. That's exactly what happened to Corey J. Monroe. His neighbor claimed, without any evidence, that Monroe pointed a shotgun at him during a dispute. Monroe denied the allegation, but he was subject to the red flag law and had his gun seized because a Middletown Police Department officer chose to believe the neighbor. Orange County Judge Craig Stephen Brown was asked by Monroe's attorney, Brittany Kessler, to consider the legality of the law. Brown agreed the law was unconstitutional and vacated the red flag order. He ruled. Under Mental Hygiene Law Section 9.39, a person's liberty rights cannot be curtailed unless a physician opines that the person is suffering from a condition likely to result in serious harm. Further, in order to extend any such curtailment of liberty beyond 48 hours, a second doctor's opinion must be obtained, and such opinion must be consistent with the first doctor's opinion. Absent from New York's red flag law is any provision whatsoever requiring even a single medical or mental health expert opinion providing a basis for the order to be issued. New York's red flag law, as currently written, lacks sufficient statutory guardrails to protect a citizen's Second Amendment constitutional right to bear arms. Second Amendment rights are no less fundamental than Fourth Amendment rights, the right to liberty, and must be provided the same level of due process and equal protection. Oh, and by the way, the procedures to determine whether one's guns can be seized are ex parte. That means that the accused has no right to participate in the proceedings or even be informed that they're happening. Quote, in order to pass constitutional muster, the legislature must provide that a citizen be afforded procedural guarantees, such as a physician's determination that a respondent presents a condition likely to result in serious harm. Since this standard is required to prevent a respondent from being deprived of fundamental rights under the mental hygiene law, then anything less deprives a citizen of a fundamental right without due process of law.
This court declares the law to be unconstitutional. Monroe was also able to beat the charge of pointing a firearm at his neighbor. Kessler has said she's filed similar petitions on behalf of other individuals who have had their firearms taken. So far, all of the rulings have been similar. She said, quote, I strongly believe in protecting citizens' constitutional rights, and that statute, the red flag laws, do not do any such thing. An appellate court could potentially overturn any of these rulings, but so far, none of them have appeared before an appellate court. Nineteen states plus the District of Columbia have these horrible laws, pushed by freedom-hating ignoramuses like Everytown for Gun Safety, who say on their website, quote, In many instances of gun violence, there are clear warning signs that the shooter posed a serious threat before the shooting. Extreme risk laws give community members a way to intervene before warning signs become tragedies. The amount of evidence they have for it? Zero. In fact, California, with the oldest and broadest red flag laws in the country, has more mass shootings than any other state. But even if they could show that to be the case, it still wouldn't matter. You can't punish someone for what you think they're going to do. Really, I think these people saw the film Minority Report and slept through the last 20 minutes. And as we've covered before, the potential for abuse is great. As the NRA said last year, quote, Aside from allowing run-of-the-mill malicious actors to indulge personal grudges against law-abiding gun owners in the current politically charged environment, these laws enable the government to target those with First Amendment-protected political views the government disfavors. And as Gun Owners of America said years ago, quote, If people are truly objectively dangerous, then there are already existing laws which allow authorities to deal with them but it is dangerous to suggest that a legally intensive process before stripping a person of his constitutional rights is a problem. If you ever cheer on such a law because you're thinking about how they could be used against someone dangerous, stop and think about how they might be used against you. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. And going back to gun idiocy, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee, proving that Republicans suck too, passed by executive order and extreme risk order strengthening background checks to the point of them being a backdoor red flag law. Apparently, he just didn't want to wait for the state legislature to pass it, so he decided to bypass the separation of powers that are inherent to our republic. He bleated, quote, our current law is proven and effective in many circumstances, especially with regards to domestic violence. 
But this new stronger order of protection law will provide the broader population cover safety from those who are in danger to themselves or to the population. He passed the executive order in response to the Nashville school shooter who was under care for an emotional disorder and hid weapons at their parents' home. Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally voiced his support for the bill, but not before lying to try and pander to his base. Quote, I support the Second Amendment unequivocally and believe that a law-abiding armed citizenry is the greatest defense against criminality and tyranny. But I also believe we must take steps to ensure those experiencing mental health crises do not have access to weapons that can be used in mass casualty events. Either he doesn't realize how he's blatantly and fundamentally contradicted himself, or he hopes you don't. At least he hopes you don't understand what the word unequivocally means, because equivocate he did. Quote, I believe it is possible to protect the constitutional rights of law-abiding gun owners while keeping guns out of the hands of people experiencing severe mental health crises. Yeah, well, some people believe it's possible for a giant monster to live in Loch Ness. Check out my video, Mental Illness and Violence. That's the result of months of research that these yokels clearly haven't done, showing that there simply is no mental health diagnosis that shows that someone is more likely to commit an act of violence. It's just way too individualized, which means the law should be individualized too. But that's already the case. You can already show by the testimony of a mental health professional who has properly examined the person that someone should be under such and such restriction due to their mental illness, just like the judge in the last story pointed out in New York. Of course, the defendant gets to make his case, too, with competent legal representation arguing for his rights, and the other side has to prove it. But doing it this way... It's not even a red flag law. It's moving any mental health diagnosis into the background checks for gun purchases and taking their rights away with no legal procedure whatsoever. Lee said, quote, We should be encouraged that there is a moment in time where people can come together and get something done. Yeah, except that every time politicians do get something done, it's seldom anything good. Do you have children, or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling, or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins, and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary-aged children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I, Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to unilluminate this week's Biggest Bogani Matter. And this week it goes to the New York Times for basically going against everything journalism is supposed to be. 
They're trying to blatantly rewrite history, in particular, the history of how Edward Snowden revealed the United States breaking the law to spy on American citizens without a warrant. Not once, but twice. The first is from Michael Crowley, who is a diplomatic correspondent with our Washington Bureau. He screeched on Twitter, quote, The 2013 Snowden leaks forced President Obama to work the phones with furious allies. One canceled a state visit. This time, the response has been muted. Yeah, he's trying to say that Snowden merely revealed the U.S. spying on foreign countries. In the story itself, he wrote, Mr. Obama acknowledged the damage during a meeting in February 2015 with the German leader, telling reporters as they sat together in the Oval Office that there was no doubt that the Snowden revelations damaged impressions of Germans with respect to the U.S. government and our intelligence cooperation. He also mentions a 20-minute phone call Obama had to make to calm down Brazilian President Dilma Rousseff, who later said he'd committed, quote, an affront to the principles that should otherwise govern relations among countries, especially among friendly nations. Yep, it's all about foreign spying, which Snowden specifically said he didn't want revealed. And it should be said that Glenn Greenwald, Laura Poitra, and the others at The Guardian he gave them to didn't. The New York Times did that on its own when they were entrusted with a portion of the documents. So they went directly against Snowden's wishes and then said that was the only thing Snowden wanted. Oh, they also didn't mention that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the warrantless wiretapping Snowden revealed was illegal. Greenwald responded in a retweet, quote, Holy shit. This NYT News article by Michael Crowley has two gigantic, glaring factual errors in the first three paragraphs. One, Snowden didn't give the archive to WikiLeaks for publication, but rather to me and Laura Poitra. Two, the Merkel story didn't come from the Snowden archive. So what Crowley was talking about wasn't even a part of the Snowden documents to begin with. And as a reply tweet proves, the false information was still up 12 hours later, even after other journalists pointed out the error. Greenwald tweeted, Of course all journalists and outlets make minor errors, but these are major. No journalist has any business writing about the Snowden reporting if they believe WikiLeaks published it. That's just massive ignorance that made it through all their editors. The story was stealth edited to remove the falsehoods without retracting or even acknowledging them. Greenwald tweeted, Just now, the New York Times silently deleted its false statements from the article without bothering to add a correction, an editor's note, or any other indication that this happened. Just a stealth edit after these errors were up for more than 12 hours, as if it never happened. And we were never at war with Eurasia. But just in case you think it's just this one writer, consider another article, this one from David Sanger. Among repeating the lie that Snowden had fled to Russia and the U.S. has been trying to bring him back to face charges, instead of revoking his passport and leaving him stranded there, he made other comments that Greenwald blasted in a recent episode of his podcast. This paragraph enrages me. It's full of eyes. And this is what he says about the Snowden leaks. When Edward Snowden swept up the NSA's secrets three years later, Americans suddenly discovered the scope of how the digital aid had ushered in a remarkable new era of surveillance by the agency. 
This is what he says the NSA's Snowden reporting revealed. Enabling the NSA to pierce China's telecommunication industry and to drill into Google's servers overseas to pick up foreign communications. So in David Sanger's telling, the only thing the Snowden reporting did was reveal that the NSA was spying on China, something that every American would be okay with them doing, and drilling into Google servers to pick up foreign communications, which most people would probably be fine with as well. That's a complete lie. The crux of the Snowden reporting showed how the NSA was spying on the conversations of American citizens, the telephone activities of Americans, to the point that courts were able to rule them unconstitutional, as I said earlier. But again, if you work for the NSA, this is what you would want people to think the Snowden reporting was about. He's counting on the fact that it's been 10 years and people don't remember. So he's just rewriting history. They're acting like many true and trying to memory hole what Snowden actually revealed. And that just has to make the New York Times this week's biggest bug on emitter. to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one customer service. Go to Firmoo, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmoo dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's discern this week's... And the Republicans are just not doing well this week. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders has signed into law a minimum age requirement for social media. How it's to be enforced is anyone's guess. The Social Media Safety Act is passed in the name of protecting teens online by supposedly giving parents more control over how their kids use social media. It does this by requiring an age verification, as if those have ever worked, And if the user is determined to be under 18, it requires parental consent before creating an account. Because there's just no way to fake that, and parents are totally better at using technology than their kids. Of course, what it will do is destroy privacy even further, make user data less secure, and infringe on basic human rights. The main concern seems to be protecting the mental health of teens, even though it's been shown that social media doesn't cause or even worsen the mental health problems of teens. It just makes it more visible to everyone else. Of course, politicians fell all over themselves putting in their favorite loopholes, cloud storage, cybersecurity, educational platforms, all sorts of media companies are made exceptions. Even social media sites are exempted if it provides the company less than 25% of their revenues. Basically, it's same to TikTok. Senator Tyler Dees, lead co-sponsor, said, There's other services that Google offers, like cloud storage, etc. 
So that's really the intent of carving out, like LinkedIn, that is a business networking site, and so that's the intent of those bills. The LinkedIn exemption is for sites that provide, quote, career development opportunities, including professional networking, job skills, learning certifications, and job posting and application services. It's not even clear if YouTube is subject to the restriction, since cloud storage and content delivery makes a lot of money for Google, and YouTube is a money loser. On the other hand, YouTube is a distinct company within Google. Of course, it's a state law, so only users in Arkansas will be affected, which means that simply using a VPN would get around it. But maybe, just maybe, if you have to make that many exceptions to the bill, you shouldn't have passed the bill in the first place. So all of that makes Sarah Huckabee Sanders this week's wraps up this thank you i knew i could con you edition of the bogosity podcast i hope you enjoyed it if you did please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion subscribe at patreon or subscribe star and you can listen early and ad free thank you for listening until next time here's a quote from edward snowden there is something miserable in the figure who enjoyed in their youth the freedom of speech but from the comfort of age, seeks to deny it to others some deformity of the soul. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity.